128 of Amari Purple Talk, the music podcast, where we talk about all things Prince, Prince-related artists, music, videos, and everything in the purple world of the purple musical singularity. I'm Richard Cole, your host for the festivities this evening, and it's nice to be back. Um took a bit of an unexpected break. Well, maybe not unexpected, but uh, kind of got overwhelmed by some projects. Um, Also, with the new format with Amari Purple Talk, um, from the recording to the editing to the uploading, um, you know, just trying to get acclimated to the new schedule, immaculated to the new freedom. Freedom is a beautiful thing. Um, also too, uh, especially, and also last week, uh, was our anniversary, my wife and I, seven years and counting, and also was her birthday the day after the anniversary as well, so, um, you know, so just took a little break from the show for a bit, um, like I said, some other projects as well, um, I also had to cancel, uh, one guest appearance, but going to make that up. So there's that. And also trying to line up uh, guests for the next round of episodes. And then we're getting kind of into the holiday season as well. So, but thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for the patience. Um, thanks for the anniversary shout outs on Facebook. Um, but here it is, episode 128. And here we go. And I want to really start off the episode with um, kind of an initial reaction to the release as this is being recorded. Um, It's November 11th, 2022. And today, the Morris Day album, Last Call, dropped today officially. Uh, I got to listen to it on streaming in the morning on the way to work today. So I got through about maybe half the album on the way. Um, And my initial reaction then was, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, Just the tracks that I heard thus far. um, Probably out of that round. Maybe the only one I heard previously was the single Used to Be a Player featuring Snoop Dogg. Uh, I've done a reaction to that track uh if you go to the patreon page uh you can hear that review of it uh but um yeah i mean i enjoyed it now you know for those if you're looking for that 80s you know that sort of almost cliche minneapolis sound or at minneapolis funk um you probably you won't find it on this album but that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing um it's a very solid album uh the production on it is very solid um and they're nice tracks um i guess you would call it uh 
don't know, maybe adult contemporary R&B. I mean, I don't listen to radio much. Um, maybe if I do, it's more serious XM type stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can hear a lot of these tracks, you know, listening to FM radio. You know, um, again, you know, it's very, very solid. Um, but um, I pre-ordered the CD and it did arrive on time today. Um, I, you know, it had been sitting out on the front for a while, you know, like, oh, yeah, something did come today and ran outside. And actually, just before I was getting ready to tape the show, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, that Morris Day's album is supposed to be on the front porch by now and yeah there it was sitting there under the little welcome mat you know so went and got it um put it in the old sony boom box and i will say this because it passed the sony boom box test i would say the absolute best listening experience for this album would be to play it on the best quality sound system you can find. And that's even if you're streaming, but um, I highly recommend the physical media on this. Um, you know, just kind of skipping through the tracks on the Sony Boombox. Um, it, it sounds, to me, it's the best listening experience. You know, the, it's more dynamic range. Um, you know, with all your bass heavy instruments, whether it's the drum machines, the bass keyboards or the bass guitar or whatever, you know, those tones have more of a range and a deepness to it that, you know, it really helps elevate the tracks on the album, you know. Um, I mean, I'll give this a deeper dive and probably do an official review um, probably next episode or episode after, uh, after I've had some time to listen to it and get into it. But, um, yeah, um, there's one song, uh, in my ride, actually that was on a previous Morris day release, uh, actually was credited to Morris day in the time, uh, which I believe the title was called it's about time. Uh, which was an album mainly of live tracks uh, with the sort of post-Original 7, post-Purple Rain lineup of the time uh, that has been touring consistently, you know, for the last 20-some-odd years. Um, but there were like four or five tracks at the end of that CD, you know, that were studio cuts. And... I uh, can't escape, but one of my favorites on that was this In My Ride, and it's, uh, you know, with a collab with uh, Jazzy Faye and E-40, and it was one of my favorite tracks on that CD um, out of the studio stuff uh, that was part of that collection. Um, it's on this CD, Last Call, as well, but it's, you can tell there's a slight remix um, haven't done an official A and B comparison, um, but I noticed listening to it, it sound has a different sound. Like there's different nuances that I never heard uh, from the "It's About Time" 
uh, version of it. Um, but um, I would say kind of like with the um, maybe the instrumental breakdown, um, it is longer, I think, on the It's About Time. Um, but this is, you know, it's mixed well for this album and, you know, what's, you know, what's being presented in these songs here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the standout tracks, even on this one, you know, even though it's an older track, uh, it's still one of my favorites on here. Um, the single Too Much Girl featuring, uh, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Uh, I haven't had a chance to preview it when it was dropped as a single. I kind of listened to it a little bit. Um, kind of same thing with this. I got to listen to it a little bit this morning and just kind of skipping through it uh, with the physical media. And, you know, it, it gives it gives the album some, you know, diversity. Um, you know, it's not just all hip-hop it's not just all funk you do get some of that minneapolis flavor you know there's some e9 chords in there and there's some f7 you know f7 suspended nines in there too you know so it it does bring that funk you know that it does bring that minneapolis funk in there um but it doesn't overwhelm it and it doesn't date the album like i said you know if you're a fan of moore's day you can enjoy it if you're a fan of contemporary r&b and i mean contemporary as in you know whatever a legacy artist like say maybe like a charlie wilson or somebody you know what they're doing and still keeping it fresh keeping it relevant then you will enjoy this album um like i said again listen to it on the best quality sound system that you can find, whether that's in the ride or whether that's in your home entertainment system, or like I said, I, you know, this little Sony boom box, it has its issues with some CDs, uh, but there are CDs that it will play without problems. And th luckily this was one of them. <laughs> So, like I said, I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive with this one. Um, but if you've had a chance to check it out, let me know your thoughts. Well, I'm going to say this, too, because the thing to address and, like I said, maybe go into it deeper. I know we kind of covered it. Um, if I've had um, Alex be on the show, PC Munoz, we kind of touched on it a little bit. But you know this this is serious i was reading the liner notes of this and it's like yeah this is a retirement album you know this is him retiring as a as a solo artist now does it mean that the time will eventually reform uh there is that news that dropped this week that morris day and the time are going to be getting the sort of, I guess, Lifetime Achievement Award or the Legacy Award uh, at the Soul Train Music Awards. So, you know, is it, you know, will it, I don't know. I've got my thoughts on it. I've got my thoughts on it. But like I said, I kind of want to kind of, like I say, enjoy this CD for a while, um, catch that performance 
and I'll speculate later, but I don't know, you know, it, but just going on the liner notes of this, you know, it is kind of bittersweet that, you know, yeah, this is a strong CD, but yet this is going to be the last Morris Day CD. And it's like, wow, you know, but hey, he's earned, he's earned his place in music history, R&B music history, funk music, Prince music. He's earned his spot. So, you know, we just wish him the best and whatever he decides to do, whether it's getting into other business adventures or endorsements, hopefully maybe one last original seven album tour or whether he's just chilling at home enjoying family. You know, he's earned that and wish him well so yeah like i said gonna get deeper into this the last call by morris day let me know your thoughts if you've heard it and we'll discuss it in the next couple of episodes all right so the next topic you know it's hard because you know there hasn't been a lot of prince news you know even I guess with the old regime of the Prince estate, you know, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, you know, it felt like virtually every quarter there was some type of news about a release or a release that is dropped or in the process of dropping. And although it doesn't take the place of Prince being here in real time, you know, dropping some new, you know, purple ear snacks on us. You know, it, um, you know, there was a consistency. But you have the estate now with the family members running things. You have primary wave as part of that decision making process. And it's been very, very quiet very quiet too quiet (laughs) too too quiet but you know my thoughts on that is that cool if they're taking the time to get everybody on the same page because you've got like I said you had you know even beforehand you had certain family members that wanted to go one way other family members wanted to go another way. And then those family members sold their shares. So now you have this outside entity that is now part of the decision-making process. And, you know, I, you know, I want it done right. You know, so if it takes this long to work that part of it out and then come up with a plan, and I'm with it. You know, bring it. That's, you know, because you want that quality. You know, you want that quality. And I get it. You know, there's a lot of people that are just impatient. You know, whether it's, oh, I want everything in the vault. Everything in the vault. Just put it out there now. You know, or, you know, people that are like, oh, you know, are we going to live long enough to, you know, get this record or that record or this super deluxe or that super deluxe you know 
And then you have people that want everything to be a super deluxe. You know, I'm I'm going to be patient. You know, I look at it like, you know, I look at it sort of like this. You, you know, look at people that, you know, legacy artists, whether it's a Jimi Hendrix, you know, whether it's the Beatles, whether it's them as a group or as a solo, you know, whether they're solo projects. Um, you know, Frank Zappa, uh, Miles Davis, you know, those artists. And you look at when those artists were in their prime. Or when you look at whenever those artists had their classic eras or their classic periods or whatever it was that made them the legends that they that they still are. And you look at over the last 25, 30, 35 years where, you know, we're in this age of the box set, the legacy. You know, when, you know, somebody like a Elvis died, you know, there was no box sets. It was just reissue the albums or just put out the records or whatever existed. And then maybe some compilations, you know, greatest hits here or a compilation there. You know, nobody was thinking super deluxe editions or nothing like that back then. It just was what it was. But I would say, you know, starting in the 90s with uh, Bob Dylan, you know, that started, and Frank Zappa, you know, guys like that where their output is so massive and heavily bootlegged, you know, the, the idea to create these sort of archival sets you know, not only for just the, the hardcore fan base, but just for the serious music collector in general. You know, again, you know, this is the 90s when this stuff started happening. And, you know, you look at, I would say if you really, maybe Bob Dylan is one of the classic examples, you know, who's, I guess, you know, their prime or their peak or whatever you want to call it. Their claim to fame was right there in the 60s. And, you know, you had people probably collecting bootlegs just like, you know, we collect the Prince bootlegs and all of that and trading them back and forth and arguing about which bootleg was the best, this performance here or this studio outtake there. And they're wishing they had an official copy or a clean copy or something of that material. And, you know, Dylan being kind of one of the first artists to be bootlegged like that, that started in like maybe the early 70s, maybe like 1970, 71, when that type of stuff started. So you got to think about that fan and how old that fan was if they were like, teenagers in 1970-71 or if they were teenagers you know when Bob Dylan was having the hits in the 60s 
and just grew up with him, you know, the way most of us grew up with Prince. And you get to the 90s and how old those cats were by then, you know, if they were in their 40s by then or their 50s by then, you know, and just now and just starting to get the first three disc or three album set of Bob Dylan tracks unreleased from the vault and all this you know um, look at Hendrix where there was this battle you know because his father had the rights to everything and got swindled out of that and it took about 20 years of lawsuits and legal battles a whole bit to get that stuff back and then once he got it back you know, him and his daughters, I mean, it's been, you know, amazing, whether it was reissuing the albums, remastering them, um, making a compilation, you know, on what might have been his last album, and then all the compilations that have come since, the box sets, the live material that has come out, and this is over a 25-year period. And you got to look at people that was in the Hendrix back in the 60s. You know, those people in their 70s and 80s now. You know, and just now getting, um, let's see, what's the, the thing that's coming out now? Um, Jimi Hendrix, the, uh, the Experience Live at the L.A. Forum. It was a 1969 concert that is just now seeing the light of day. <laughs> you know, officially an official release you know I don't even know if in, if this had been bootlegged at all but you know now it's just now getting an official release so you gotta you know I'm sure that whoever it is if they're 75 or 80 whatever and they're you know getting a hold of this for the first time you know it's it's something to look forward to but you also have to be patient but it's like it's not it's not like they waited 25 years and then bang, this is the first thing they come out with. You know, like I said, the Hendrix estate has been dropping, you know, banger after banger after banger. And I've heard very few complaints in the fan base about that. You know, I mean, you find some negative in every fan base. You know, or you find some, oh, I've got everything in the bootleg, so I don't need to buy it. Or or because they, you know, officially, it, it sounds terrible since they released it. You know, I'll, you, you're going to get people like that. That's fine. Let them be. Let them, you know, if they're happy with their already collected bootlegs, cool. You know, if they're happy with the way Cry of Love came out. I forget the other 70s compilation. It was done. It was this cat. I forget his name. But Hendrix was on record to his people like, hey, when I die, don't let this dude touch my music. And basically, you know, within two years after him being gone, this dude was remixing and overdubbing this stuff. And But at the same time, that person's gateway into Hendrix was that you know, Cry of Love album, and then the other one, I think Rainbow, not Rainbow Bridge, but 
whatever it was that was remixed and overdubbed and terrible sounding whatever that was their gateway and that was the the first thing people you know those fans first time experiencing Hendrix you know but it led them back to whatever the classic material you know just excuse me all of this to say you know just be patient just be patient you know it's you know you everybody's going to get something at some point and you know all this division about the 80s and the, this and the that and every episode you know and it's it's getting kind of pathetic to have to get on here and say that every week you know because like i say i don't i see very little discourse in other you know in other legacy artists you know people that have kicked open doors so Prince can do what he was able to do. You know, I you know, like I said, there's very few complaints about anything that the Hendrix estate puts out. You know, like I said, you you do get some of that negativity, but not to the magnitude of whatever. And granted, you know, Jimmy only had three albums really, maybe four, in his actual lifetime. And I get that, you know, so he never had that chance to where you would have had you would have had people saying, "Oh man, damn that Hendrix disco record sucked," or "Damn that Hendrix disco album was the best thing ever," you know, or you know, had he started collaborating with Miles Davis, you know, who knows? People would have been like, "Oh, I I like I like the psychedelic stuff, and I like the two white guys being there," and you know that that was when he was best. You know, and you know, who knows? You know, who knows what it would have been? You know, or you have your Led Zeppelins, you know. Granted, you know, you might have some folks that say the first few albums were great, and then when you get to Presence and In Through the Outdoor and Coda, that, you know, they'll argue whether that was the worst period or it was just as good as the, you know, the first five or six records before that, you know, some people hate on houses of the holy, you know, and it's like, I love that one, but you know, that's, you know, music is subjective. It's subjective, but you don't get to, you know, the whole point of an artist is that artist's evolution. You know, if they get to have that, evolution period you know to you know have a classic run and then make some mistakes or maybe create something that was either so far ahead of its time or what I like to call too the musicians musicians album you know you have artists that have that to where like okay if you are a musician on whatever level you get that record but your average mainstream listener, it's like it's not for them. You know, they don't gravitate towards it. They rather go for whatever the hits were or whatever radio says was good or later whatever MTV says was good. Yeah, so, you know, it, like I said, it, it's, it's, you know, let's just celebrate the evolution. You know, for me, like I said, growing up in the 
growing up in the 80s. Yeah, that was my teenage college years. Of course, I'm going to have some affinity for that. You know, of course, you know, there were ups, downs, highs, lows, everything. And Prince's music was unfolding in real time. One day when Dove's Cry just did not exist, it 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 wasn't there. It wasn't like he wrote it in. 1977 and just decided to bring it out in 1984 it just did not exist and then boom it's on the radio one day and i still remember that day in may of 1984 and every time i hear it it comes back to that now some of you out there if you were whatever 15 16 17 18 whatever and it's 1994 and you know that come album drops and you knew nothing or cared nothing about prince before then but that was the one that made you the fan that you are today you know or rainbow children if that was your gateway or musicology if that was your gateway into it and again you're 15 16 17 18 19 20 whatever that that whatever that magic period is yeah you're going to hold on to that because whatever you were going through the highs the lows the ups the downs you were in love out of love you know family trouble trauma happiness good times whatever that magic period of life was and prince's music was a part of that or any artist whatsoever whenever you know whether it was contemporary or whether it was somebody yeah that album was your gateway and you went back and was like, okay, well, I like that album, but I don't like this one. I like this album, don't like, that's all good. But let's stop doing this thing to where, you know, we're tearing down other people's enjoyment of the record, you know, or, or excuse me, of an era. You know, let's stop tearing each other apart about that. You know, it's like I said, the, it when it was unfolding in real time. Like I said, you couldn't pay me to listen to Prince in 78, 79, 80. You couldn't do it. It took Dirty Mind and the circumstances that brought me to that record to get onto the bandwagon and go back and listen to that and enjoy those two records. And I've talked about mostly for you i've talked i've done a couple of episodes where i've talked about that and nobody listens nobody hears it nobody you know it, it's one of the lowest rated episodes in the history of amari purple talk but to me it's just as important when i listen to that than you know heat wave central heating album it's just as important as Earth, Wind, and Fire's All in All album to me. It is just as important as the Jacksons going places and Destiny. It, it it just fits. You know, it wasn't as big as those records, but it belongs right there. It The, the feeling and the emotion is still the same in it. But then from Dirty Mind forward, you know, Around the World in the Day, was probably the first Prince album where I went, okay, I'm not going to get the same record from this dude twice. <laughs> and granted, you know, here comes Parade. And it's like, dang, 
wow, what's he going to do next? Sign of, to me, Sign of the Times was the record I've always wanted since 1999, to be honest. Like, where it's okay. He's proved that he's this this genius and he can do this with the drum machines and all of this other stuff. But Sign of the Times is kind of one of those. It, you still got your drum machines and your fair lights and you, you get all this technology with that record. But there's still some, you know, acoustic and organic stuff going on with that album that that was the record I wanted since 1999. It's just I had to go through Purple Rain and Around the World in a Day and Parade to get to it. But it wasn't like those albums sucked. They didn't. You know, like I said, some I've enjoyed better than others. I enjoy Parade more than I do Around the World in a Day. But I wanted Around the World in a Day super deluxe. The more I talk about it, more than I want to parade Super Deluxe. But like I said, you know, um, Diamonds of... You know, and sometimes there are these Prince albums that are just classic to me. You know, whatever era. Like, musicology is classic to me. Artificial age is classic to me. And then there are some where it's like, okay, I'm only going to like two or three songs on it. Now, that doesn't take away from somebody saying that whatever album that was, it's like in this particular case with me, Planet Earth. It's not my favorite album, but there's two or three things that I like on it. And I do try to go listen to it again and again, but I'll play 22, uh, excuse me, 2010 more than I'll play Planet Earth, and not a lot of people like that record. But I love that record. Um, Lotus Flower. I enjoy more than Planet Earth. 3121, to me, at first, I didn't enjoy it as much as musicology. Now I enjoy it just as much, if not more. So that's the beauty of having those things unfold and going with that artist on the journey through their evolution. It's cool to have your favorites. But like I say, let's kind of just stop, you know, putting each other down and all this other stuff. Um, I know there was something today, you know, again, talking about around the world in the day, you know, and what would a super deluxe be like? And, you know, there was the idea of putting on, you know, because I think there's this pattern to where they think every super deluxe has to have a live show that goes with it. Well, there was no real tour behind around the world in the day. He was still touring Purple Rain you know, even I think maybe barely a month after Around the World the Day came out. So it's like not every album needs that live album or that live Blu-ray to go with it. But one of the ideas I had was like, okay, cool, you know, don't do that, but, you know, put, you know, do like a 5.1 surround mix on a Blu-ray you know, and put some music videos on it. And I kind of got this little criticism about, um, you know, they're not going to spend money putting a surround remix. It was a flop. A flop compared to what? You know, not everybody's trying to be Thriller. You know, only Michael Jackson cared about trying to top Thriller, you know, which is one of the criticisms I've always had about Michael Post's thriller 
was instead of, I mean, uh, granted, you know, great songwriter, he's done some great stuff. Um, I guess album-wise, again, I might not have enjoyed the entire album, but there were all, there was always something on an album post-thriller that I thought was magnificent. You know, it may not have been the whole album, but there were two or three, four or five songs that were just like, damn, these are the most amazing songs ever. But I think the difference between him and Prince was where Prince was just being guided by, well, not to say Michael wasn't guided by spirit either, but Prince wasn't interested in trying to do Purple Rain 2 or 1999 Part 2. It was too easy. It was too simple. And with the fact that Purple Rain was as, as big as Thriller, that's scary because it brought, you know, it's getting to that mountaintop and seeing that the myth is bigger than reality. You know, and that's easy for us to judge, you know, because we haven't had that on any level. You know, I don't care what level you're on, really. You know, but, uh, you know, it's easy for us to kind of just judge it and say, like, oh, it's easy to say, oh, he should have easily done this or he should have easily done that or not do this and not do that. Nah. No, nah, that'd have been too um too easy for him to do. And I mean part of Around the World in the Day was to put as much distance between Purple Rain as possible. And granted, okay, you know, Purple Rain sold twenty five million, thirty million or something like that. And Around the World Today only sold six million. Oh, a measly six million folks. Ooh, that big flop that one is. <laughs> You know how many people would kill to have six million copies of a record, even into by today's standards. You know, I know record companies are you know kind of like, oh, you have to sell a million out the box, but it's not it's it's still not an easy feat to accomplish. I don't care how good your record is. You know, it's not an easy feat. But like I say, you know, there's people out there that are just easily programmed by. You know, oh, this says you have to be number one or this says you have to sell a million copies. And I'm sorry, there's people that sell a million copies that sound like crap. I mean, real crap. And yet and still, there's some absolute musical geniuses out there that can't even sell one copy. You know, and it's not because they don't have it. They may not have what, you know, I, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But the bottom line is this, you know, let's just stop beefing with one another. You know, let's enjoy the evolution of the artists, you know, and embrace all the faith. Because like I said, it, it the, the beauty of it is getting a chance to have enjoyed the journey up until April 21st, 2016. You know, it, that's the beauty of it. It's like, yeah, I mean, I love the 80s. I'm not trying to go back. <laughs> now, nah, it was cool for then, you know, whatever was happening in 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, whatever. It was cool. But at 56, I ain't trying to go back. <laughs> you know, it, it was cool to have the jury curled in, but I don't want it back. <laughs> 
leave it there. Leave it in. The, leave it there in the eighties. You know, just you know, leave it. And that's the whole point. You know, I'm sure a lot of us have great memories of the thrilling days of yesteryear. But you know, you're not trying to go back because hopefully, what you're doing now, you're either just as happy, if not happier. And if not, that's the goal is to make things just as happy if not happier to do that and like I say nah I mean it was it was cool listening to whatever Dirty Bond 1999 and I still enjoy listening to that it's nice to go back but I think what I'm going to do somewhere down the road is an episode where I kind of go through that journey you know to where like I said, you know, I was 15, you know, when I was listening to Dirty Mind for the first time. And I might, you know, do an episode where I kind of chronicle that journey to where you get to, you know, once you get past, I would say, Love Sexy and Batman to where you would find that one Prince album you know, say like Take Graffiti Bridge, that, you know, I was so jazzed on the Rolling Stone interview of it that like, because I read that like literally the day before the album dropped. And the level of excitement listening to the songs before the movie ruined it. And it took about 15, 20 years to get back to the original feeling I had about that record. But, you know, that level of excitement, you know, or that level of excitement from reading that um, Vibe magazine cover story from 1994, that interview, you know, that level of excitement was just as great. And if not, maybe I think for a while, depending on what day it was, greater then whatever you know when you know uh purple rain dropped or sign of the times dropped or whatever you know there was always that level of excitement it never got old i never jumped off the bandwagon for it so i might do an episode to kind of chronicle that hopefully to kind of put in perspective of there are those of us that aren't stuck either in yesterday or either stuck in whatever it is that you're stuck on to appreciate the journey, the entire journey. And few artists get to do that. Very few get to have a career like that where you have. And he's, you know, he's one of those few, like I say, like a Zappa, like a Dylan, you know, where you got all this material that people are just clamoring to hear, you know, in some way, shape or form. And for them to finally provide a platform or an outlet to where you can have access to that music officially from that artist endorsed by that artist is very few, very, very few where you get that. So I don't know, like I said, that, that was kind of a little rant. Um, you know, just kind of about the state of the fandom and the fact that, like I said, the estate has been quiet 
So let's just be patient. You know, it's, it's we're going to get some stuff. And unfortunately, we're most of us are going to be very old by the time we get certain things. But, you know, let's just try to enjoy the moment. So whatever comes out, super deluxe edition of whatever, I don't care what it is. It could be the symbol record. It could be the diamonds and pearls. It could be this. You can best believe I am going to enjoy that release. And then if it's something that like I might skip, like I skipped the hits one and two on vinyl. I don't personally feel I need it. Maybe eventually someday I might get it if I feel that much of a completist about it. But at the same time, you know, I still, you know, I'm still trying to absorb the 1999 Super Deluxe. You know, I'm still trying to absorb the sign of the time Super Deluxe. I got to go back to Welcome to America. I still got to absorb that too. So whatever's coming, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. And then whatever the project will that will make me the most excited then i'm going to be the most excited about that all right and now folks the moment you've all been waiting for is the talk about the chocolate invasion and slaughterhouse um yeah you know i was again like i said the estate has been so quiet but like i said you know there was a period where Sony Legacy was dropping that, you know, that sort of trilogy of albums of the sort of 1995 and beyond of Prince. And it was getting to the point, I was really hoping for a reissue or maybe an official reissue or excuse me, not even a reissue. I mean, if you're talking MPG Music Club, it's a reissue. But these particular albums didn't exist on any other physical media it was only available through download and there were either people that sort of created their own artwork for it or there was official artwork for it that you could download and make your own sort of cd covers and stuff which is what i've got um you know so they kind of look like as much as a physical release as possible uh but uh both of these were dropped on march 29th of 2004 on the mpg music club it would download only and you know again this is and this is what i'm talking about that that march 24th or excuse me march 29th of 2004 as a prince Woo. This one was back. I mean, because, you know, talking about uh, bootlegs and like I said, um, we were kind of aware of them. Uh, we had seen very little. Like, I think Alex B had got um, there was a sign of the time show. I forget which one. It was. Um, I remember him getting that on vinyl. And I made a tape off of that. And that was it. And then, you know, maybe a couple of things by some other people had a couple of things here and there. Um, but by the time I really got immersed in that stuff, 
though, that was exciting. You know, that was, you know, I, the initial excitement. You know, as I gotten older, it was still interesting. It's, you know, still interesting to me now, you know, but um, even more so back then, because it was like this whole new world that was opening up, this whole new Prince universe, you know, this whole new portal. And it was Prince stuff, you know, it was like getting stuff from another universe almost, these bootlegs and everything. But uh, for Prince to get to the level that he had been fighting for all through the mid to late 90s and to be in the position to release as much music as he wanted this day, because it wasn't just uh, Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse. It was what, uh, C-Note and One Night Alone, Piano and Voice. Um, expectation I think about two or three other things and you know my wallet was taking a beating on <laughs> that day because then you also had musicology to drop as well on that day and then there were like a couple of virtual b-sides like magnificent and then glass cutter and stuff like that and it was just like man I don't have enough purple croutons to cover this but you know eventually over time because the stuff wasn't going anywhere um, to download that but the sort of the centerpiece of all of that was the Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse and those tracks and tracks on that were part of either the unreleased High album uh, it was also like a NPG album called Peace uh, that some of these tracks were supposed to be a part of and then others were just, you know, just tracks. And, you know, like I said, just that level of excitement. Because, I mean, this wasn't dull. This wasn't some crappy copy that you had to strain your ears and, you know, crank everything up past 11. And even when you cranked it past 11, you know, it still had all that tape hiss and that... repetition. <laughs> You know, it was all of that stuff going on with it. You didn't have any of that with this. This was like, this was it. This is everything that a Prince fan had dreamed of, literally. And, you know, I thought for sure these were going to get um, issued in physical media. And I hope they still do. Um, like I said, these were very strong, strong cuts. Um Judas Smile was just funky as all get out. Um, you Make My Sunshine. That's a shame that didn't get like massive radio play, or massive video rotation, you know, because, you know, Prince was fighting against the system. You know, he was fighting the power, so he didn't quite have that major label access that could have marketed that and promoted that to where you know again this stuff those songs stand up to anything in the classic era for me and like i said to where i grew up in the 80s you know this stuff was just you know just as good you know because you, you know you were dealing with all of that with the contract obligation so it was a real struggle but like i said none you know very few of us jumped off the bandwagon you know, I didn't jump off the bandwagon 
Because again, it was one of those things like, well, there's something you're going to have something interesting, even if it's just contract obligation. You know, his contract obligation would make another artist, you know, lifetime career, <laughs> literally. And you know, so it was nice to get this material finally that wasn't part of all that baggage. And, you know, you had New Power Soul again, something that had, for me, I enjoyed listening to it. I didn't really think of it as a Prince Prince album, even though technically it's a Prince album. But there's stuff on it that I enjoy a lot, you know, listening to. And then Raven to the Joy Fantastic, same thing. Raven unto, Raven into. Actually, I'm going to do a, well, maybe not a CD versus vinyl, but something kind of put, you know, pitting those two against each other and finally deciding which one I like the best. Um, but, you know, Chocolate Invasion, you had um, the original version of The Dance, which was on 3121. Uh Man, there's so many. Um, like I said, Judas Smile was a favorite. Yeah, um, let's see. Super Cute, Vavoom, Underneath the Cream, uh, Silicone, Golden Parachute. Um, yeah, I mean, these were just, um, just phenomenal songs. And, you know, like I said, to be relegated to something just for the fans you know that in one way it's special but at the same time I wish this was an official album like you know this should have been something that definitely would have worked preceding something like a musicology um yeah and I mean it and it took a I mean I let's see all of 2004 2005 I think even going into 2006, um, I kept these songs in constant rotation. Um, and I don't know. I don't think there's not a there's not a dull moment. I mean, there's some songs I enjoy more than others on it. Um, let's see. When I Lay My Hands On You, that was one. The deepness of that um, over the years, my listening to that just gets, you know, I enjoy it more every time I hear it um, where before I might have skipped it once or twice just to kind of get to Judas Smile but you know now I can just put that on listen to it go into Judas Smile go into Super Cute Underneath the Cream um, The Dance I know um, between that and the 3121 version my favorite is the one that I'm listening to at the moment. You know, it's kind of like on the one hand, it's like, oh, I like that one better. But no, there's still some things I love about that one. So for me, it's whatever, when if, whichever version I'm listening to at the moment is the favorite version. Um, Peace 2045 Radical Man. Um, that was on the Bamboozled soundtrack. And I remember kind of because that was the first record 
where when he went back to Prince, that was the first thing officially that came out where it said Prince again on it. And it was like, I really didn't know because I was like, well, this is a song for the movie. But then is this going to be indicative of his sound going forward? You know, because it was so... I wouldn't say it was devoid of funk, but it wasn't the super deep, heavy funk. You know, and it was kind of going into that direction of what Rainbow Children, which the material on that to me is stronger than this. Um, but it was still exciting to hear, and I kept remember playing that over and over and over again, just like, you know, where is he going to go next with this? Is this going to be a permanent thing? You know, it, it's more mature sound, but you know, what's next? And that was the beauty of it. Again, you know, there was always that sort of what's next factor with that. Um, I don't know. I might do a video. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Because like I said, I, I enjoy both. And they sort of belong together. I know I was thinking as I'm doing this episode where because um shoot wasn't uh speaker box in the love below by outcast was that the year before this or right around the same time so anybody in the comments um just kind of you know drop that knowledge on what took place first um but you know technically prince really wanted to do this first so the idea there was first it was just too far ahead of his time with come and the gold experience. But then you fast forward and then, you know, again, you got that speaker box love below the two albums that are radically different by the same artist. Um, you had that. You had that um, Beyonce with that one with the um, Sasha Fierce. And then there was the separate album that did this that had single ladies and all that stuff on it. Um I think, you know, other people have done, uh, Frank Ocean has done it, I think, put two albums out at the same time like that. But yeah, I mean, to me, so that falls into that sort of category of albums with the two separate albums by the same artist, but they're just, you know, the material is just as strong on each one on that. Um, and again, hopefully these will get some type of physical release, you know, you can do it on record store day if you want, but I would have really have loved to seen these get an official release. And I thought for sure this was going to be amongst the next set because, you know, Sony was throwing it out there for a while until 2021 when they got all the rights to everything. <laughs> the licensing to everything. They just kind of toss these aside. And it's like, no, take your time. Well, I guess it wasn't up to them. But the estate should have just taken their time and let Sony just finish out that set of reissues and drop these and then go forward with the plan. So who knows? You know, but uh, in the middle of whatever classic era stuff they may decide to do or whatever period you know there are albums that you know regardless of the era will probably take precedence over these but somewhere in between 
if the estate is listening, folks, somewhere in between, they should, you know, consider dropping the Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse. But what do you think? Uh, were these your favorites, whether it was the MPG Music Club era or if you're just now discovering these two projects? Um, what do you like? What's your favorite song on it? Um, would you like a physical media release of this on CD and vinyl as well? It is there on streaming for you to listen to. So if you haven't heard these, by all means, check them out. Chocolate Invasion Slaughterhouse. But leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts. And that is going to end this episode of Amari Purple Talk. Thank you once again for tuning in. And again, thanks for all the support. Ah, season four has been exciting and still got a lot more to go. Again, kind of rolling into the holidays, but I have a feeling there'll be more solo episodes like this one. Um, but like I said, I do owe uh, a guest. We're supposed to record an episode, but scheduling got a little crazy. So um, that person will be on um, within the next couple of episodes or two after this one. And like I said, getting some folks to come back, make some second appearances on the show, or a couple of folks, some third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth appearances. And... Also, there's been some folks reaching out, too, wanting to come on as well. So I didn't forget about you, but like I said, these, you know, working on 8 million different projects and, you know, again, getting acclimated to the freedom because it's like you get all this freedom and it's like, I want to do this one, do that one, do this one, and do that. Oh, cool. I got time to do this. Oh, wait a minute. I got time to do this over here. And then all of a sudden, all that time starts to get full. And then it's like, oh, let me pull back and kind of prioritize some stuff here so so it's all good and like i say continue supporting the show whether it's buying amari purple talk merchandise uh supporting the singles um save yourself we funk to the last band all those links are in the show notes hit up the website amaricommunications.com and I will continue to do more of this stuff. So, again, thank you, everyone, and see you next week. And until then, create your day and create your life. Peace. Peace.